Welcome to the second Q4 Essential Trades podcast. Joining me, Angus Walker, is Steen Jakobsen, Chief Economist here at Saxo Bank, and John Hardy, who's Head of FX Strategy. From Fear to Opportunity has been the working title for the Essential Trade publications for Q4, available on tradingfloor.com. In a word from both of you, how brave are you being by making this call suggesting the weakness in emerging markets is overdone? Well, brave is relative. I think being brave is buying the S&P uh, 500 at 2,200 and believing that the return will be 100% over the next uh, 10 years. Uh, so what we have with the merchant market is that we have both price and valuation being cheap. Price against the uh, standard deviation, it's minus three. So basically it's free standard deviation cheaper than it's been at any other time recently. And in terms of valuation from a bottom-up perspective, you have a great... Uh, safety margin in terms of buying certain companies in this uh, uh, asset class because basically take Brazil, you will have Brazilian grocery stores or banks who's been around for 50, 60, 70 years who is being treated like they are also corrupt and and, uh, and, and at the end of a, a down cycle. So they are producing cash flow every day, return on equity, which is in excess of 25. So I think it's very much as it is overall with asset classes right now to find specific events, specific situations. But the only place, in my opinion, where you have both price and valuation being cheap will be the emerging market. John, uh, you're looking at two particular currencies. You highlight them anyway, the Mexican peso and the Polish lofty. Yeah, before uh, looking at specific currencies, though, I'd just like to add to Stane's comment about, I mean, what else do you have? What is What could be a trigger for a, at least a, a medium-term or a short-term comeback in emerging market currencies? That could be this central bank liquidity. Here we have probably the ECB heading towards some kind of QE2. Maybe the Bank of Japan is warming up for something as well. Now the Fed, after a week jobs report in September, is, uh, you know, the market's looking at only 50-50 odds of even hiking in March of next year. So from a this sort of classic extend and pretend uh, easy easy conditions for for EMs that borrow so many dollars, et cetera. That's also a potential support for for some revaluation uh, in the quarter. I decided to take it, yeah, with the actual picks uh, we were looking at for the quarter uh, in emerging markets to to play it rather cautious because um, uh, st- still I'm concerned on a longer term basis on some of the structural things here. But yes, if we do get a big bounce back, these other higher risk Brazilian real, other currencies could bounce the most. But I, I chose the ones I think that have been a bit sort of babies thrown out with the bathwater, if you will. If you look at the Mexican uh, peso, it's, uh, you know, the structural situation is far better than a lot of these other cur- uh, currencies. Uh, the real, uh, the, the South African rand, the Turkish lira, and yet it's had a not quite as bad, but almost as bad a devaluation move. So assuming the, you know, the, the market is coming back a little bit in here and uh, and risk appetite is, is reasonable in the quarter. I think a Mexican peso bounces back quite strongly. And Poland, that's a, a sort of an ECB argument, uh, more QE from the ECB. There's still a positive interest rate in Poland. There's better real rates there. It's sort of a gentleman's trade, if you will. Uh, there's a range that's been established. We're at the higher end of the range. I think it heads back towards four euro versus Poland. Let, let me add on, on Poland, just from an economics point of view, that uh, we have to... to to recognize the fact that Poland is the one European country that actually didn't get into recession during this financial crisis, number one. And number two, they continue to have a growth rate which is in far excess of the European average. So down the line, you can actually have that Poland becomes the second biggest country, both in uh, in GDP and in population terms. So it's, it's really becoming sort of the centerpiece of Eastern European uh, uh, economies. 
And I also think it points toward the trend, which is also to do with emerging market, that Europe gradually through this financial crisis created a production hub, which is all of the European countries plus the old peripheral countries. Basically, uh, you know, after the euro was introduced in 1999, we now have that Euro Germany no longer is competitive vis-a-vis -vis a lot of these countries. And as time goes by, as the German unit labor cost continues to rise, uh, these countries will be increasingly more competitive. So, you know, the net result of that being that emerging Europe will be the growth engine when Europe finally starts its engines again. You were saying, Steen, in your publication that actually there is a lot of opportunity in Forex in emerging markets. Could you just outline why that is? And John, could you pick up? Yeah, so the way we, we trade markets historically is we trade relatively to the liquidity of the underlying asset. And foreign exchange is always the first sort of market that in a developed uh, emerging sorry, economy becomes free to trade. Uh, take China right now, you can access freely the Chinese offshore currency, but it's still limited what you can do in terms of domestic currencies. Uh, similarly for other countries, the evolution is basically foreign exchange first, then you have some sort of a debt structure, you have the establishment of a stock exchange, and the order of liquidity is basically that credit is more liquid than, than uh, equity, and, and, and foreign exchange remains by far the biggest and most liquidated assets. And historically, I think academic study has shown that about 80% of all returns that come into the merchant market has to be extrapolated from the foreign exchange move, i.e. The, the, the outlook of price differential and yield differentials and inflation differentials being paid and, and given into the currency. So it remains the number one choice. Uh, for most investors uh, continuously. John, could you get into the nitty-gritty then? You, in your publication, highlight uh, appetite-related rebounds and carry trade possibilities. Talk us through what that actually means when you come to trading Forex in emerging markets. Well, well to put uh, Stain's exposition of this in, into simple words, it's all about flow, and, and, and it's the flow in and out of the, the currency that where you see all the, the vast majority of the returns expressed. So. If we're going to get carry trades and risk appetite on, emerging markets will do well. If we have another cycle of panic and, and uh, market concerns globally, this, this uh, recovery is not going to happen. Emerging markets will do quite poorly. It's that simple. So the, what we're saying is that uh, liquidity conditions look good. The valuations uh, have, been, have been beaten down too hard. And we'll need to see a reasonable, at least a reasonably flat to, to improving risk appetite in the quarter, I think, to, to see emerging market rebound. Uh, because that does encourage the carry trading, it does encourage the flows back into these riskier areas, um, and that's that's how I uh, how I see that part of the the equation. And maybe just touch on the dollar dollar basis as well. Just I mean, how dependent are on the dollar value of all? Well, the dollar. I mean, the dollar has been a whole. It's been the critical component for this whole EM meltdown because uh, over the cycle of the Fed's various iterations of QE, uh, EM loaded up on some say six, some say nine trillion. Uh, dollars in U.S. dollar-denominated debt, uh, most of that in the private sector, not in, in government uh, lending. So a lot of this has been uh, uh, actors in the private sector having to hedge these flows, and it can become a, a sort of self-reinforcing spiral. So uh, at this point, you have to ask, has it gone far enough? Have they have they reduced these hedges or, or, or uh, offset all these flows? Probably not, but th this could be a significant pause. And again, with the Fed likely to be on hold for some time, some say till March, if that does prove the case, it certainly lowers the pressure volume currencies, and if the other major central banks are doing more easing, it also enhances the idea that we get this carry trade refiring in Q4. Yes, Dean, the USD, a fundamental factor when it comes to what you describe as a perfect storm in emerging markets. 
Very simple. Uh, we live in a fiat monetary system, which means you can issue money without having any collateral to, to cover for it. I always love to, to point out that the $1 note in the U.S. says, in God we trust, and that's about the only collateral you get from the U.S. government. Uh, so there's a fiat money system overall. That fiat money system is predominantly to the 70-80% extent is actually a dollar-based economy. When you look at uh, what's happened in terms of debt issuance since the great financial crisis started, uh, it has been that we have issued $57 trillion worth of debt. 50% of this has been uh, created by emerging market, a chunk of, a big chunk of that actually created by the private sector, uh, predominantly in, in China. So we are basically having an environment where the stronger dollar uh, increases, uh, decreases the, 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 the demand in the world, global demand. And, and these economies, the emerging market, constitute 60% of growth in the world. So they will not no longer be buying German export, German cars and the like. So you have a vicious circle, fiat money as being the sort of overall system, the dollar being the system's currency of choice, and the dollar is also the denomination of both the debt being issued, but also the commodity earnings and power, of course, inversely correlated with the dollar in terms of its price. So you create a cycle where the pass of leisure system becomes that the dollar needs to get weaker to reset the whole system and to create more growth. And for more growth, you have higher commodity price, a better emerging market. So in other words, you know, the question you have to ask, who really benefits from a strong dollar? And the answer is no one. And John, to what extent are your trading strategies being influenced by the Chinese currency as well as USD, as Steen was explaining? Huge, important factor. But the Chinese currency is also in play. Yeah, and we've had an odd situation where where the People's Bank of China decided to, uh, the headline was that it was a devaluation, but that devaluation was very modest, a couple of percent. It's nothing, it's a week's worth of volatility in a standard exchange rate. But the, the key was that they not only did the devaluation, but that they ex uh, changed the entire exchange rate regime to one that is theoretically, theoretically underlined, double underlined, a floating, uh, managed float. It can't move more than a certain amount per day, but it's theoretically a float. Now, that's a huge question. How much does China want to devalue, uh, devalue its currency? It's spending hundreds of billions of dollars, uh, even after this move, and keeping it from devaluing more. So there's obviously a pressure for it to, to fall. And I think it will fall. The question is what on what time scale? And it looks to me like one of these things, one of the phenomena we could look, phenomena we could look for is for some of the emerging market currencies to stabilize while China does a slow devaluation. So you could pair emerging market longs versus a Chinese currency. They got too strong following the dollar higher to an inappropriate degree. China wants a, a more accommodative stance on monetary policy. It wants to stimulate uh, through uh, reserve ratio cuts, etc. So that's that's one way to do the pairings. The risk is, of course, China's regime at all times controls what it wants to do and remains a bit opaque on its timing and, and could simply not move much over the next uh, a few months. But that's still a direction or a theme that we could see further on in Q4. And we could probably see an acceleration in, in the Chinese uh, weakening of its currency as soon as the SDR, the special drawing rights, uh, is is for them to have. Uh, so basically when they become a reserve currency, I think they are playing it with low volatility into the SDR uh, announcement. And after that, I think they will go towards a, a, a more extended and, and faster pace of devaluation, which probably grades to a minimum 10% over the next 12 to 18 months uh, in order to get some of the competitiveness back, relatively speaking, in an environment where the business model for them is to, to, to get 
and and buy time between you know resetting the the the, the business plan they have for China to the Silk Silk Road uh, ultimately at the end of it. Also, uh, intervention is 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 uh, anti liquidity and, and not doing intervention is the opposite. So when you're when they're doing when they're intervening. It represents a, uh, a reduction in, in liquidity because they're so soaking up, um, soaking up liquidity domestically. So that's another thing that's costly for them to continue with this, uh, maintaining this uh, uh, low volatility under, under under pressure. Now we have a short time left. We are talking about your essential trades. So can I ask you to pick one and and highlight your, the, the trade you think is the most essential of your essential trades, Steve? For me, it's gold. I think an environment where we have uh, great uncertainty on the, Fed, with the path of the Federal Reserve and what will happen with interest rate, in an environment where the dollar potentially will be weaker, the emerging market will start to kick up, uh, I think we'll have a, a resetting again of the expectation in terms of the rate curve for the US. So I still expect the, the, the best return asset class will be gold and silver for, for the balance. Uh, you know, uh, cheating on your question, basically saying I think there is also fundamental value in the emerging market mining sector. John, I think pairing these emerging market ideas versus the euro is one way to put it. I don't think the euro can take being stronger versus the dollar. Anything above one fifteen is looks like a tremendous value for for selling that pair. Um, but again, we're, we're talking about emerging market currencies here, and I, and I think uh, if the euro dollar is headed to parity, which I think it needs to do for the EU to be viable longer term. Um, then of course the the euro emerging market trade becomes more more interesting than the dollar emerging market trade. Gentlemen, thank you very much indeed. And you can hear more from uh, our strategy team in the other podcasts coming up in the series, and also read more from Steen Jacobson and John Hardy in Saxo Bank's latest Essential Trades, Essential Reading for All Traders and Investors. Download their Essential Trades for Q4 2015, available now on tradingfloor.com.